Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope that this message from Pastor Jason Charles and the City Collective team challenges and inspires you. Enjoy. And as you take your seats, could you just turn your attention to the screen? I see a church. a church committed to bringing the love and hope of Christ into impossible situations through our actions and our words, whose head is Jesus, whose help is the Holy Spirit, and whose focus is the Great Commission. I see a church that loves God, loves people, and loves the journey of life, that never grows comfortable, is always youthful, is overwhelmingly generous, driven by faith, and true to Christ's nature of love, and arms open for everyone to feel welcome. I see a church where the worship is heartfelt, genuine, and passionate, where prayer is central and conversation is encouraged, where the hope of Jesus is preached unashamedly and confidently. I see a church prioritizing the widow, the orphan, the marginalized, and the neglected, a place where young and old come together with common cause and genuine conviction, where families grow together, friendships flourish, and the kingdom of God is established. I see a church that has people come from every corner of our city that multiplies across the lower mainland with churches that are connected but are focused upon serving the communities that they are in and that are impossible to ignore. I see a church of the finest leaders, most passionate influencers, most creative thinkers and dynamic dreamers who push forward with humility and conviction. I see a church where your story flourishes where you are given an opportunity to fix your focus on this immense, unconditional, freely given story of love through the person of Jesus Christ. I see a church where we flourish not just as individuals, but together as a community, and our story is a testimony to our city and to our neighbors and to our communities of who God is. I see a church that I would love to be part of building. So today is is Vision Sunday for us at City Collective. Uh, We're so glad that you decided to be here with us this morning. If this is your first time here at City Collective, welcome. Uh, Wherever you find yourself on your journey of faith, Christian, non-Christian, atheist, agnostic, not really sure about what you think about this whole church or Jesus thing, we're just glad that you're here with us. We hope that you've had a cup of coffee, been greeted by a, a warm face along the way, and enjoyed your time with us thus far this morning. We are... Uh, excited about all that we get to take part in here at City Collective. It feels like this is um, a family that is participating in what God is moving us towards. We're we're just over a year, and I guess it'd be five months now, uh, as a church, which is which is crazy to see what God's already done in such a short period of time, and to discover in this period of time how much more we need to learn along the way. Um, I think that when you venture out on a journey like this, that's easy to come with thoughts and ideas and assumptions and 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 uh, process and strategy. And and if you have had a conversation with me, that I'm a I'm a hopeful individual. I, I see that there is always 
water in the cup. <laughs> Doesn't matter how empty we think it is. I think that there's always at least something still in there. I'm a, I'm a diehard optimist through and through. But uh, you learn things along the way and you go through difficult seasons. But on every step of our journey, it has not been our strategy. It has not been our influence. It has not been my ambition or anything of this sort. It has been God's faithfulness. And seeing that move over and over again and bring people together along the way. Um, it, it is one of the things I like to talk about when I have conversations with our team leads. Is that we've got a 10-year expectation with a 6-month reality. Where there's a lot of wonderful relationships that have been built and have come, come to be within our community in a short period of time. And it's like they do everything together. They're texting and, and hanging out. And then there's like this expectation of a 10-year relationship, but there's only a six-month reality. So it's always a little bit messy. It's always a little bit difficult, but it's always worth it because we believe that within community, we can best discover who we are in Christ and who Christ is to us. And so this morning, uh, we're going to be having a conversation uh, based out of two words that I believe that God has given us for, as a community for this 2019-2020 year. I presented it on our one-year uh, anniversary, but I, I want to dive into it a little bit more this morning. I think that we have an opportunity to discover how that is not going to just shift our, our lives as a community, but our lives individually. So would you turn with me? We're going to go to Genesis chapter 4. We're going to read nine verses out of Genesis 4, uh, and then we're going to continue forward this morning. You can follow along big screen in the sky. Genesis 4, starting in verse 1, and it said this. It says, Adam made love to his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant, that's usually how it works, and gave birth to Cain, and she said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and, and his offerings, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. And while they're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, Cain replied. Am I my brother's keeper? Uh, a story like this is full of of so many ideas and concepts which are, are, are relevant, I think, to our everyday lives. Uh, and I believe that today, this vision Sunday at City Collective, this can lead us into our idea of boldness and blessing. Uh, when, when we venture out on our everyday lives, I think in general, we are pursuing this very simple of idea that we want to have a good life. You, you're, you're putting things towards your day, you're structuring your day, you're, you're, you're setting agendas so that life can be good. We want to have a good life. We want to discover a good life. Now, whatever that means to you specifically, this is part of the way in which we orient and set our lives in place. We have desires around relationships, around our vocation, among, around friendships, around family. We, we, we desire purpose. We desire comfort. We desire all these things, and we have it these desires tied to our journey to achieve this perceived 
good life along the way. And, and along the way, in desiring these things and pursuing them, there's a sense of boldness in moments that's required, wouldn't you say? Where we have to uh, step out of our comfort zone. These moments where we put ourselves out there, where we step outside of our comfort zone, and we have to actually do something that maybe we're not so prone to doing. But what, ha what happens when, when the moment that you show boldness doesn't lead to the expected outcome? What happens in those moments of boldness where it doesn't lead to a good life? Or in the language of the Bible, or in the language we're talking about this morning, it doesn't lead to blessing. Have you, have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that you put yourself out there and you didn't get the outcome that you desired, that you operated with the sense of boldness and it didn't come about exactly as you desired in that moment? It, it didn't, you didn't find out that you got the good life that you had set out upon, uh, a relationship fizzled, uh, a career ended up cratering, uh, a, pa a passion of yours seemed to dissipate along the way. A chance that you were hoping for just didn't come about, didn't come to fruition. I think we all have moments like this where we have desires and intentions and then they don't come about exactly as we expect along the way. I know for myself, uh, church and pastoring and preaching was never the intention for my own life. Everything that I was doing for a portion of my life or the, the first segment of my entire existence was around this idea of going to med school. Now, if you are of East Indian heritage, that was probably everyone's destination at some point. Um, I took it a little bit more seriously for a little bit longer and then also discovered that there was other vocations that I could consider in life. I did not consider pastoring along the way. I ended up going the engineering route, which was vocation number two. That was the only two ones I was allowed to really consider along the way. Anyways, um, this idea of being in med school was all that I had ever kind of fashioned my life around. It, people knew me as the kid that was going to end up going to med school. Everyone had this expectation. Everyone perceived me as such. And the moment in which I discovered that this was probably not what I was going to set out upon, I completely ignored that feeling that I had and I continued forward because of the expectation that people had on me in that moment. And so in my moments of what I perceived boldness, I still continued along that path even though I found no real passion, purpose, or meaning even within that process. And I didn't even really desire the end destination that I was going to get to. That, that, that I actually applied for med school multiple times along the process. And, and each time when I didn't get the result that I should have gotten, I still felt like this, this hurt and this loss and, and this, this lack of identity in the moment. I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? If I can't be a doctor, I am not a handy person. I can't learn a trade. If I move, we moved in, I moved in with Adriana, and she was the only one with a toolbox. Like, this is a legitimate thing. There was not that, that option in my life. And I was okay with that now, but not so much then. Where everything is kind of fashioned in one direction. And then we're bold in a way that we're like, I'm putting myself out there. 
I'm putting all I have into this moment. And then we expect blessing on the other side of our boldness. And when it doesn't happen, what do we do? Uh, this, this past summer, as we were approaching our, our first an anniversary, I, I was praying and I was, I was asking God, what, what is the, the lean, what is the push? Where are you taking us this year as a church? And I felt like these two words, boldness and blessing, started to really take root in my heart. And, and if I'm being honest, at first when I, when I felt these words, I was a little bit irked by the, the word blessing. Uh, because blessing in, in some senses, I, I've got a, a little bit of a hesitancy around. That I hear the word blessing and I connect blessing with faith and blessing with God. And, and negative ideas kind of, kind of come to the surface as if that I don't want to perceive God. And I don't believe that we're meant to perceive God as a Coke machine. That I do things a specific way and I press the button and I get the blessing exactly because of the action that I undertook. That it's because of the action that God blesses. And that, that made me really uncomfortable along the way as I was processing through this idea of blessing. But in this process of discerning between boldness and blessing and how it all fit together, I came to this conclusion that in my hesitancy of actually wanting to talk about blessing, I was missing out on the possibility of blessing within my own life and within our community. Isn't that the case? That sometimes when you're hesitant about something, you don't see the beauty that's possible within it? That you, that you run so far away from it that you don't actually give yourself an opportunity to discover what it could actually mean and what it could actually be. And, and if we're being honest and if we're looking at ourselves as a community, even on this long weekend, from, from this time last year to this year, we've seen some incredible things happen within our community. Things that we're really grateful for, to be part of, and to, to give thanks for. Um, growth within our community, growth within our finances, growth within, growth within our relationship with the communities and the school and, and outreach, outreach opportunities. We, we've seen some great things take place within our community. But in reality, it feels like God has kind of done it behind our backs. Because I don't think I've presented this elaborate, brand new idea of faith. I did not preach a single sermon where suddenly the church was like, wow, it makes perfect sense <laughs> all of a sudden. And there wasn't, there wasn't this dramatic financial push that made it all magically come together. There wasn't a perfect strategy in which that took place. But yet this idea of boldness and blessing was consistently coming to the forefront Blessing was coming, and I didn't even understand what, how boldness was taking place. But this is the challenge that God really placed in my heart, and I want to present to you this morning. That blessing was never meant to be our responsibility. Boldness is our responsibility. Blessing is God's. And, and with that sense and with that understanding, there is some freedom that comes with that. That I can discover now what boldness can look like, not out of a sense of demanding that God do a specific thing. So it's, it's nice to say, yes, boldness is our responsibility, blessing is God's. But then this is the question, what happens when I don't even know what boldness or blessing really looks like? I don't, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I desire. Therefore, my boldness can sometimes seem like Throwing darts randomly at a dartboard and not even sure if you're throwing it in the right direction. 
boldness can be a little bit ambiguous like that. That we are hoping, we're acting in ways, that we are acting in ways that lead to blessing in our lives. And, and this is a narrative that we see in the Bible, that you're hoping that the way that you're working and doing things is going to lead to a blessing that God's going to provide. And that's what we, what we see in Genesis chapter 4. We see someone acting with a sense of boldness, seeking blessing. That's what we see with Cain. And in many ways, this story, it, it evokes a sense of empathy within, within myself and perhaps within yourself as a reader for, for Cain. Because in all honesty, I see boldness. Um, I see a desire for blessing. And then I see this, this feeling of rejection and this really negative, really dramatic, quick response that follows. And here's the thing. Boldness isn't always what it looks like. Boldness isn't always what you perceive it to be. And boldness isn't always what you're actually doing when you think you are. From the very beginning, humanity has made assumptions as to the pathways to blessings from God. And we've acted in bold manners with, with wrong intentions. We've acted in bold manners with false idols and ideas in front of us. And we've acted in bold manners with untrue assumptions. And instead of listening to the voice of God or following the way of Jesus, we have decided that we are actually the best individuals to prescribe how we can receive and discover blessing in our lives. And then we grow increasingly frustrated when we don't receive the blessings that we expect from the false God of our own self-gratification that we are actually serving. What are your assumptions of how you discover God's blessing in your life? And what are your assumptions of what God's blessing is? In, in the story of, of Cain and Abel, there are many dynamics at play. But I, I want us to consider the human element, this internal struggle that's taking place in this moment. Cain and Abel are sons of parents who, who will be telling stories of, of a time that was and, and of a world that was lost and in turn a world that maybe could be found and how they lost it because of a fruit and, and how Cain, he toils the soil and, and he wants to, to make up for a mistake and he wants to bring everything back to a good place. And in, in many ways it seems like his intentions are good, but what he's doing along the way is he's almost bartering with God. I'm going to give you back what, what was taken. I, I, I'm just wanting you to give me what was already given, and, and I will figure out the formula so that it just works along the way. And Cain does something that God never asks for. Cain offers a sacrifice. But, but if you read this story, never up to this point has God asked for sacrifice. He's never asked for an offering. The only person who's presented this idea first is humanity. This, this was never God's idea. Sacrifice was never God's idea. It, it was actually like this perverted ancient Near East tradition involving atrocities that, that were just 
awful for society at the time to supposedly appease deities, practices that were in the surrounding nations of Israel all throughout history. And for Cain in this moment, it's a misplaced direction of boldness. He's, He's doing something that we all do where we have an assumed assumption of what is going to actually appease God and then we decide that's the way to go. When in reality, God has never actually asked them to do a sacrifice. And and Cain is frustrated with God. And he's wondering why why it falls short and and he responds poorly along the way. And, And God simply responds, if you do what is right, will you be accepted? And we're left with this question, what is right? What, what, what is good? What is right? And, and Jesus, in his first sermon, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, deals almost directly with this story, this question that is presented. And he invites us that instead of being like Cain and assuming that we know the best way to blessing and the best way to live with boldness, let's listen to the prompts of Jesus. So if we go to Matthew chapter 5, we go to the Sermon on the Mount. We've seen that boldness in the Old Testament with with Cain and Abel, that they've undertaken sacrifice. It's been a little bit of a misplaced direction of boldness. It hasn't led to the blessing that's expected. And then we get to the Sermon on the Mount with Jesus in Matthew chapter 5. And Jesus presents this idea of blessed is, and he starts to outline a life that is blessed. And it sounds completely opposite of anything that you and I would associate with the idea of blessing. So let's read it together. In Matthew chapter 5, we're going to read it through from verse 1. It says, Seeing the crowds, Jesus went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you and Jesus is outlining the thing that we desire the most a blessed life a happy life a good life this is the thing that we are all trying to pursue in some way or another and Jesus comes right up to up against it immediately here Moses, 
in the Old Testament. He goes up on the mountain and, and he receives the law. And then Jesus in this scenario, he goes up on the mountain and he gives uh, uh, not just the law, but what the law actually can do. What, what a story that is overwhelmed by the goodness of his new law, his new covenant with us can actually look like. So Jesus outlines the thing that we desire the most, and, and he says, do you want to be blessed? Do you want to be happy? Well, blessed is the man, and he outlines all that, and he says, blessed is the man who comes to understand that boldness is not a hard-headed push towards selfish desires, but rather a self-sacrificing pursuit of the kingdom of God. That boldness is actually tied into this place of blessing because every bit of blessing that Jesus outlines is actually counter to the manner in which you and I live life. It pushes up against all that I am selfish about, all that I refuse to let go of, all that I put as a priority. God pushes up against that in this story and says that blessing is in these areas, but it's going to require boldness in a way that you have not been acting boldly. That it's not actually a pursuit of selfish desires that you do with all of your strength, but it is a self-sacrificing pursuit of the kingdom of God. G.K. Chesterton, he says this. He says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. There, the elements that Jesus is talking about, whether you are Christian or not, they, they resonate with us. They seem like good things in this world. Good things in which we can experience life as God intended. But th there's, there's this phrase that um, is from an individual named Mark Sayers. And he talks about the idea of how society desires the kingdom without the king. That we want all of the good things that come with Jesus. All the good things that would seemingly be out of his teachings and out of his way but we don't actually want Jesus within it. That we want the kingdom without the king. So what is God's idea around boldness and blessing? Sometimes when we read these, these beatitudes, they can simply become these, these platitudes. <laughs> these, these common ideas that become in one ear and out the other because we feel like we've heard them before. They've been repetitively uh, presented to us or we just haven't had it really stick with us and, it, and it's like someone is just saying it over and over again but it doesn't really actually matter or actually stick and the danger of a beatitude becoming a platitude is that we miss out on what God is actually presenting to us in experiencing blessing in our lives because he says blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted blessed are the meek and he goes on and on and on and we have this idea of blessing in our society today which is very different than this we see hashtag blessed in instagram posts all the time and it's often associated with different things people put hashtag blessed with like they got a, like a free cup of coffee great 
Um, I, I have been guilty of saying blessed and highly favored when I get something free or have a cop not give me a ticket when I'm speeding. Like, I have, I have said that. <laughs> I've had moments of that where we associate blessing in a really odd manner at times. And I'm not saying that those things aren't good, but they are not the pursuit of blessing that God actually wants to have us orient our lives towards. Otherwise, that is simply consumerism. That is simply materialism, that I'm just going to do things to get things, and it is then good. But that is not the story of Jesus. Perhaps that is the story of Cain, that I'm going to do something to get something. I'm going to give something so I can get something. But that is not the way that Jesus is presenting the idea of what it means to be blessed. When we know that God is with us, it can shape everything. In Matthew, uh, the gospel as a whole, the, the word with is really important. At the very beginning of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 1, it talks about Emmanuel, God with us. And then in Matthew chapter 28, at the very end, it says that go and make disciples of all nations. And it says that God is with you. This idea of God being with us is bookending the chapter and it's meant for us to discover along the way that in our pursuit of the blessing of God, in our pursuit of a good life and a happy life, we, uh, he understands that it is not so easy, that the Christian ideal can be an overwhelming idea to actually pursue in moments, but you can discover along the way that God is actually with you. That the great commission of Matthew 28 comes from the great communion of God with us. That the Beatitudes are not just for individual reflection, but it's also for us as a whole, as a community. They're meant to be lived out in community. They're meant to be things that we carry individually and then carry as a whole to transform the places that we go into. Not simply as good people, but as followers of Jesus. Because it is not about simply doing good to get good, but it's actually receiving good so that we can change the world that we're in because of all that we have received from a good and holy God. There needs to be a shift in our thinking. When I say boldness and blessing, I know that even my mind goes to a, an unhealthy definition of both. Boldness seems like something I always have to do out of my own strength. Blessing seems like something that I need to have a formula around in which I can actually achieve. But the paradigms that Jesus is presenting on the Sermon on the Mount do not speak to that at all. It is actually against every selfish manner in which we live our lives in this world. Our desires are flawed. Your desires and my desires, we have good moments, don't get me wrong. You can have a good moment, but overall, we've got some flawed desires in how we live our life. St. Augustine, he really struggled with the idea of desires all throughout his life. And he talks about desires often in his teachings. And he says there are three types of souls that miss out. He says the tortured soul, he says the cheated soul, and the diseased soul. He says the tortured soul is one that observes happiness but can't attain it. Someone sitting as if they're behind a, a jail cell, seeing the possibility in front of them, but not being able to get to it. The, the, the cheated soul is someone who thinks they found happiness, but it isn't actually true happiness that stays with them in the midst of struggle. And then there's the diseased soul, who's discovered happiness along the way, 
but doesn't actually recognize it, that they have it for themselves. I have found myself in all three of these tortured, cheated, and diseased soul moments. Where my desires have not actually reflected healthy moments of boldness in my life. Where my desires have not been good and pure and holy and they have been extremely human. And here's the thing. God does not desire for your desires to be perfect. Jesus just wants our desire to start with him. To be a follower of Jesus. To understand when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life that he's presenting. Look and see that I am good and that I am showing you the way. Start there. Don't expect perfection to be the key to your success or to open up the Coke machine of blessing. I love that Augustine is a theologian of the heart because as, as the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of life. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but actually too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. Jesus isn't negating us. He's inviting us to live out a heart of boldness which isn't predicated upon our own desire. It, it is, boldness isn't about strength. It's not about will. It's not about desire. Boldness is about obedience. We're going to take time in, in a couple weeks to go really specifically some, through some of these beatitudes because I think they're really powerful. Uh, but just to look at the first one when it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. To be poor in spirit, let's be honest, it, it, it says, and what it means is don't, you don't need to fake your way through the reality of life in order to be accepted by God or to understand all that is going on, but we need to understand that he receives us in our weakness and re reveals himself as our strength. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In other words, blessed are the spiritually bankrupt. Blessed are those who are desperate for Jesus. Blessed are those who need comforted, who need to be comforted in their affliction. That God loves a broken and contrite heart. And this is a beautiful truth that we can reject in our own moments of pride and because we don't want someone to mold and to shift us and to move us. Because that's uncomfortable. And we want to figure it out on our own. And we even want to make God work for us. That I'm going to include God in my 10-step plan to make a, my life a little bit better. And he's going to be step three. That I'm going to go to church. I'm going to pray my three prayers. And then it's going to be a magic bolt of lightning that's going to give me exactly what I need. So that I can move on to step four. But when it says, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's saying... You don't have anything left perfect. You are blessed because you can just come to me. 
for yours is the kingdom of heaven. It doesn't say it will be. It's not, it's not a future tense. It's right here, right now. Where you are at in this present moment of your life, you are invited to receive the truth of God's blessing for you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You might feel spiritually bankrupt, emotionally destroyed, financially just taken down a notch. And you might feel as if everything in your life is against you. And God is saying, Jesus is presenting to us this idea that it is so good where you're at that I'm going to meet you right there and give you all that the kingdom of heaven has for you. All you need to do is come to me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's right here, right now. Because in the kingdom of God, boldness isn't about strength, it isn't about will, it isn't about desire, it's about obedience. And being obedient to the commands that Jesus gives us is so simple. The, the commands that God gives us are two things. He says love God and he says love people. We say this every week here at City Collective. At the end of every service, we say, love God, love people, be the church. And you know, that is in some ways a beatitude that's become a platitude for us as a church. That it just becomes in one ear and out the other as if it's just a good idea that we don't need to actually worry about. But this is literally God's invitation to us to participate in the restoration of the world around us. Love God, love people, be the church. This is who we are. It's, it's not something fancy along the way, a dramatic strategy that I'm presenting on Vision Sunday. I'm simply saying what we have said all along and has become a platitude along the way. We need to love God. We need to love people. We need to be the church. We need to live out of that place of obedience to be bold along the way and discover God's blessing as we go. Genuine boldness is a posture that is going to ask hard questions that work against areas of pride and comfort in your life. Because what God is doing in those areas of boldness is not simply moving you forward to the next step of your life, but he's doing a transformation of your heart. He's doing a transformation of our community. Do you recognize that sometimes when you're pushing and you're pulling and it's a little bit more difficult than it feels like it needs to be, but you know that you're doing things according to the way that Jesus presented, that you're doing out of a sense of self-sacrifice, not out of your own selfish ambition or push towards things, but you know along the way that you're going to actually be the ultimate thing that's changed in this situation. You want to see change in your life, start looking around and start trying to change the world as well. And do it from the way that Jesus leads us. To be meek and humble, to be self-sacrificing and, and loving and kind and joyful. To, to look at the person of Jesus, not simply as this good teacher that said nice things, but literally as the way, the truth, and the life that we can live our story out of. What would happen to us as a church if as individuals in every single moment of our lives, we made that our push, our lean, that our boldness did not come out of our own intent, our own desire, but out of a sense of I just want to be obedient to loving God and loving people and being the church that God has called us to be everywhere we go. If you are frustrated with 
the way the church is, or the way that you've seen church to be, and you're like, it's just Sunday mornings, and it's just four walls, do something about it. Don't just be frustrated with it. Let the love of God actually invade all areas of your life. This is not simply a show where I get to say some nice things from a really great book. These are moments where we gather together to reflect upon this revelation of God that has so transformed my life. And I wanted to see it transform yours. And I want to see it transform our, our communities and our, and our cities. And I want to see it extend so far beyond. That boldness and blessing, boldness is our responsibility, blessing is God's, but boldness comes from a place of obedience and placing God as the priority in our story and allowing his desires to become our desires along the way. He gives us the way. He gives us Jesus. If you're wondering where do I take this sense of boldness, where do I find my lead, where do I find my lean, look to the book, look to Jesus. Obedience comes from relationships. Start with him. Can we be bold in this way? Can we, can we take this posture as a community? Can we, can we bold, be bold in ways that are not simply about things being better for me? But to see that God is in this active work of restoring, redeeming, and changing the world. See, this is what God does. In, in, in Genesis chapter 4, uh, Cain, he does something that God doesn't ask for. He, he, he does a sacrifice and it's out of a bad intention. And he does something even more awful afterwards. And then he's, he's banished from that space and... He says that they're going to hurt me along the way, and then God protects them, actually. And then this idea of sacrifice starts to take root, and, and we see it start to follow the, the story of Israel along the way. But remember, sacrifice didn't start with God. Sacrifice started with man. It, it, was, a, it was an idea from humanity. But what did God do with this idea of sacrifice, which was not really his plan in that moment? What does God do? He redeems, he restores, he renews. He gives Israel a really clear idea of how they can be set apart in this area of sacrifice. That they aren't doing and committing these atrocities that the ancient Near East people were committing at the time. What does he do? He says that I'm going to actually work through this, this practice of sacrifice. I'm going to have you understand that my son, that I'm going to come, I'm going to work through this idea of sacrifice. I'm going to provide hope. I'm going to provide restoration. I'm going to provide healing in the world through this thing that you had along the way. Because God, that's who God is. He meets us right where we're at. He loves us too much to leave us there. But he doesn't just take us forward and leave us as is. But he restores and he redeems and he renews. And that's what he's even doing with his idea of sacrifice. That he uses it to bring Jesus to us. Sacrifice wasn't... God's idea at the beginning, but man, it became his idea at the end. And then he said, enough. It is finished. Sacrifice no longer. Let's go back to the way I originally intended it. Wherever you need to experience boldness in your life right now, 
Perhaps you're feeling as if you have pushed so hard in one direction and it's, and it's not been out of a good intent, out of a good place. The beauty of this is we have, we have a way. We're shown a story to follow. But we also know that the grace and unconditional love of God meets us in the midst of our mistake, meets us in the midst of our, our, our failures and our, and our insecurities and our poor intentions and our ill-intended desires meets us there in need, restores, redeems, and then takes us all the way through to his original tent for your story. So maybe you're not there right now. Maybe you're all alone and you feel so beaten up by the boldness that you've put in over and over again experiencing constant rejection, experiencing as if the blessing of God is not actually intended for you, it's for the person beside you, not meant for you. Let me promise you this morning that the blessing of God is not your responsibility, it's just boldness to be obedient to the way of Jesus and understand that he's going to meet you right where you're at. Would you invite him into your story right here, right now? It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have every situation in place in order for God to find his way into your story. But he's going to come in right here, right now, and change everything when we just give him the space that he wants. Boldness isn't simply about doing something that's uncomfortable. It's about acting outside of those regular rhythms. I truly believe that the call of our community in this upcoming year is not simply to spread and experience a shallowness of spirituality and just growing for the sake of growing and, and, and being excited and happy along the way. I truly believe that we're called to go deep in our relationship with Jesus. To truly have it be more than simply words, but have it be actions in the way that we express ourselves as a community on Sundays, throughout the week, in every space that we occupy. Boldness to truly live into the mission that we've been given. To together create space for everyone to discover life in Jesus. This is a vision for our community, but it's also a vision for us as individuals to be bold and expect to experience God's blessing. To be bold in ways that can push us forward. I believe that this upcoming year is going to present us incredible opportunities to actually lean forward as a church. And we're making steps right now to be bold in how we live out this calling as a church. We're committing over $25,000 in the area of outreach over the course of our 2019-2020 year to be generous as a church. We're calling out that we're going to see our multiplication of community groups across the Lower Mainland and over the next three years we want to multiply into another borough in the Lower Mainland. We don't know how that's going to happen. We don't know where it's going to happen. We don't know exactly when it's going to happen. But we know that we're going to operate with boldness because God's going to meet us with his blessing. That we're going to see the vision of God come to be along the way. We're praying and believing and pushing towards more than simply behavior modification, but real heart transformation. To see people in our cities, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our schools, in our homes come to know who Jesus is. To see baptisms and dedications of their life to know who Jesus is in ways that shake our city to the very core. So many people make the assumption that Langley is this highly 
highly Christianized area, but it is the highest percentage of individuals who claim no religious affiliation. We have an opportunity. We're not trying to just convince people. We're trying to show people. My life has been changed by the love of Jesus. Why would I not want that to be shared with somebody else? Why would I not want to show them that what is done for my story, what could it do for theirs? And how it's continuing to shape and move me. We're going to live as a people of expectation, a people of generosity, a people of boldness. And we're going to commit in such a way that's going to actually inspire others to come alongside. So my invitation to you this morning in your own story, could you discover a place where your boldness is in being led by the wrong desires and actually fix your eyes upon who Jesus is inviting us to be, to look at Matthew chapter 5 and, and ask yourself in these beatitudes, how, is, how could they lead me towards the blessing that God is offering? And then as we step forward as a church, I, we, don't, we don't pass buckets here on a Sunday morning because we don't want anyone to feel obligated to give anything towards the church. But if this is your church home, I would invite you. Let's participate financially together in what's going on. Why? Not because we just like the idea of giving money, but because we understand the hold that money and finances actually has upon our life. That when we prioritize certain things, it is important to understand how that actually impacts the way that we live and the way we do things. I would, I would challenge you, consider that for this upcoming year. How would that shift the way that you live a generous life, generosity in your time, in your talents, in your treasure? What are the ways in which boldness could actually translate into action to move the vision of God forward within our community? The opportunity to love and to love God and love people and be the church is directly in front of us. And we're going to say it every week. And we're going to say it unapologetically knowing that this is who God has called us to be. So he's going to meet you right here, right now, wherever you're at. And he offers us to this whole new life in a whole new way. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the gift of all that you give to us. How your life has changed everything. How your story has shifted ours. I pray that as we step forward with boldness that you would just provide uh, the way for us to step. Thank you that we can look to your word and we can discover that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And it's a way that's so different than anything that we've ever seen or heard or discovered before. But it's a way that requires us to give of ourselves, to, to give up all of our selfish intents, but fix our eyes upon you knowing that can change the world and in turn change us. So for every person here this morning that is struggling with the idea of who you are or what that could mean for them, I pray that you would meet them where they're at. That there is a sense of peace that you would just place upon them. That their story would be one that would be your faithfulness and not theirs. That you would reveal yourself to them. Thank you for all that you're doing in our community. Thank you for where you're taking us as a church. We give you glory. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Thanks for listening to the City Collective Podcast. We hope you enjoyed that message. Please subscribe to stay up to date with every weekly message. For more information on City Collective, please visit www.citycollective.com. Or if you're in the greater Vancouver area, come visit us for a Sunday. 
You can find more about our church and how you can get involved with what God is doing in the Lower Mainland. Have a great day.